1: Welcome into College Football Smothered and Covered. My name is Barrett Salie. Episode five of the revamped version of the show. We are hanging around the top one hundred in Apple Podcasts, so I thank you very much for your support early on in this second half of College Football Smothered and Covered. Of course. About six years ago, had a very successful SEC version of this show. Now we're going national, baby, and we've had a good response so far. Reminder, you can watch this show live on YouTube and Rumble. Still haven't settled on an exact time to go live, but I will tell you when we do. You can also catch it on an audio form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. There's a lot to talk about today in college football. It's the offseason, right? But there's really no offseason. Not to steal a line from Josh Pate, my good friend, from Late Kick. I've said this for a very long time, too. Now, he has the circle and x out. Very clever for Mr. Pate. But there is no off season. You deserve college football 24-7, 365. And that's why we are here, Michael Bratton, SEC might coming up in about eight, nine minutes or so. But first, this isn't a college football ruling, but something in the legal space yesterday could have a big, big impact on the sport that we know and love. Dartmouth's men' men's basketball team, a National Labor Relations Board district, ruled, that a union vote could happen. Now, not to get too deep in legalese, not a lawyer, although I am 2 and 0 in my amateur legal career, evicting a tenant from a rental property and also a small claims court on an HVAC system, but not to brag. Yeah, maybe, maybe bragging a little bit. But Basically, what this this means is that Dartmouth Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees, and that could have ramifications across the entire sports world, college athletics world. And if you remember about, uh, I don't know, nine, 10 years ago, the Northwestern football players tried to do this exact same thing and actually had the same exact result, except it was appealed, it was overturned, and we stayed essentially where we are right now, except obviously with NIL in the mix. Now this ruling for Dartmouth men's basketball is going to get appealed. After all, what is the motto for administrative issues on this show? Billable ba- billable hours they are undefeated. They will always be undefeated. The only winners in this will be lawyers. Now, I, we could get down to the nitty-gritty. The the thing about this is if you're an employee, you can get fired. So if you don't perform on the field, you can get fired. Okay, that is a massive change. Here's the thing about this, my opinion. I'm like Jonathan Moxon from Varsity Blues. Remember when he's fighting with his dad in his living room and his dad's like, I want to talk about Gilroy, the game coming up. He's like, I want to talk about Gilroy. And Jonathan Moxton goes, Gilroy? Tell me who wins. And then walks out. That's where I am right now. Tell me who wins. This legal stuff, this administrative stuff, what players can get, what players can't get, especially in this union debate. I don't care. Just tell me, tell me how it ends. Because there's no right or, w- or wrong way to do this. It's amateur athletics. Well, a- actually, it is professional athletics under the, the, uh, the guise of amateur athletics. It's beautifully dysfunctional. We always say in this on this show, college athletics, they're beautifully dysfunctional. There's no right or wrong way to this. Sure, you can have an opinion. You probably do. It's unrealistic. My opinion, unrealistic. No opinion on this is realistic. Because this is beautifully dysfunctional. There's no right or wrong answer. None. It doesn't exist. So tell me who wins. Tell me who wins. And at that point, we'll adjust. At that point, we'll say, oh, you're employees. You can get fired. Oh, you're not. We're going to keep things the same. You can make money on NIL. Great. You can make money through the school and you are employees. Fine. I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I just want to get back to talking about the sport, the sport. Now, I know I'm sitting here complaining about something that has nothing to do with the sport. And that's because everybody else, the mainstream media, everything you read is about this nonsense. I want power rankings. I know you hate them. I love them. Actually, you you hate you say you hate them. You actually love them. Just like you say you hate preseason polls. You actually love them. Why? Because the foundation of college football is that we get to argue with people. We get to yell at people. We get to call people. You can call me an idiot. You can, you can hear this podcast. You can reach me on X. You can reach me on Instagram, threads, TikTok, wherever. And you can call me an idiot. And I can say it right back to you. Because that's a feature, not a bug. The game itself is a feature, not a bug. I want to hear why you think USC is a fraud. I told you yesterday. And if you think USC is a championship, come at me. Tell me. Great. I want to hear it. I love it. But with this employee thing, with this national uh, NLRB thing, with the with the union vote, tell me who wins. Just tell me who wins and I'll be done with it. Reminder, this show brought to you by Coastal Vibe Vacations. Get ready for the ultimate family adventure with Coastal Vibe Vacations. Dive into fun under the sun, build sandcastles on pristine beaches, and create lasting memories with your loved ones. Our family-friendly resorts offer exciting activities for all ages, from poolside games to thrilling water sports, unwind in spacious accommodations that feel like a home away from home. Make this vacation unforgettable with the whole family. Coastal Vibe Vacations, where the sun, sea, and smiles come together. Book now for an ocean of family fun. We'll get to Michael Bratton in just a second. And look, uh, we talked about power rankings. He's got some, and I love Michael. He's always there to stir the pot. He's always there to talk. He's always there to go toe-to-toe with anybody. You see him on Fine Bomb, You see him everywhere. And so I cannot wait to get Michael's take on what happens in the SEC. You know him, you love him, Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, that SEC podcast joining us here on the show. Man, it's great to have you on. You know, I've seen you go from SDS to now doing this independently. It's awesome to see your career uh, jump like that. And uh, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Barrett. And, uh, you know, it's it's something. I mean, I, I've i got nothing, no association with uh, Smothered and Covered, but it it brings tears to my my. Little Black Heart, Barrett, that uh, that that you're bringing it back because I've said it publicly. I'll say it here on your platform, but it is one of the shows that inspired me to to do my own show. I listened to every episode. I loved it for years. I was devastated when it went away, and I'm just so thankful that you're back. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to help you in any way. And and it's it's like a dream come true to to go from a guy that just listens to a show to actually get to be on it. Uh, this this is the honor's all mine.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And look, it's it's interesting because when I started this back, um, you know, it it and a lot of people are in this space, right? It's kind of over people say it's oversaturated and they ask me, What are you doing? And I'm like, look, you know, there's no such thing as oversaturated. You know, we're all in this together. This is not like terrestrial radio when we're competitors. If people like my show, they're gonna go to your show, they're gonna go to Pate's show, they're gonna go to JD's show. And uh it, it's it, it's interesting how different this is, and so. Um, you know it's it's great to have you on, and, and I'm I'm so thankful um, with your kind words because this is this is a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to this chat. First things first, let's look at your power rankings. You can see these pinned to the top of your Twitter profile, and so let's talk a little bit about this because um, you know everybody loves power rankings. Everyone says they hate power rankings. They hate preseason polls. <laughs> the truth of the matter is they love them, and that's why we do them. No surprise with Georgia, number one. But let's talk Ole Miss. And, and for the people who have watched the first four episodes of the show, they know exactly how I feel about Ole Miss. So let's break it down. What, what do you love about Lane Kiffin's Rebels?
2: Well, first of all, let me start very briefly on – because I think you mentioned it there. A lot of people, power rankings, it's not like I invented this or anything. But the way I do it, Team A meets Team B on a neutral field – that's that's the only criteria i use for these power rankings so i don't care where the games played and, and sometimes you know let's say let's say old miss lost to alabama in bryant Denny by one point i may turn around and still have old miss ranked higher than alabama so i you know some people get sure. up in arms about that but that's that's the only criteria i have so i, I wanted to, to put that out there flatly so yeah, Ole Miss, why, why do I like them? I mean, continuity, I think, is huge. A- everyone gets lost in, in all the additions they've had via NIL and and free agency, as Lane Kiffin calls it, which they were some massive additions, no doubt. But I think even more important is getting Jackson Dart back, getting Trey Harris back, uh, getting key offensive linemen back, staff continuity. There's, there's just so many things. And I think Ole Miss... For years, Barrett, I've heard people in our space and fans just saying, you cannot build a program like this. You cannot build a roster that will compete at the highest level doing this one-year free agency. Well, now we're looking <laughs> around, and, and that, that seems to be the the, the best way to do it. I was going to gonna say, it. that's the norm, right? <laughs> right. But Lane Kiffin, to his credit, he was among the first to, to actually do it, and I think that has given them a, a heads-up on, on how to tackle – you know, these these big additions, should we wait? Should we go in now? Should we throw in all our chips? And I th- I just, it looks to me like everybody associated with Ole Miss, whether it's in the program, outside the program, the NIL, the collective, they're all pushing their chips in for 2024. And Nick Saban stepping away, the the, the one guy they couldn't Door's beat. Door's open. And not just not just them. I mean, heck, hardly anybody could beat Nick Saban. But the fact that he's out now, it it opens it up all the more for uh, Ole Miss this season.
1: I'm with you. I 100 percent agree with you. And when we give our early 12 team playoff predictions, I had to do it when I was still at CBS the day after the national championship game. And uh, there were a lot of people pissed off about that uh, with different aspects of it. But I put Ole Miss in the 12 team college football playoff. And I assume at number two in your power rankings that you do as well. But let me ask you this. Is Ole Miss capable of actually winning the college football playoff this year?
2: I mean, I certainly think it's going to be difficult, but I've gone from saying Ole Miss should be a playoff contender to Ole Miss should be a national championship contender. So I do think they're in the conversation. They're they're going to need some breaks, certainly, I would think. I don't think they have the depth. Of Georgia, of Ohio State, and possibly even Alabama, which I ha- I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll get to. But I I just think that you know as long as key players don't get injured, it it's fascinating to see Barrett. I mean, All due respect to to blue chip ratio and and you know the past ten years of the playoffs says this, and the 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 years of the BCS says this. People argue with that. Uh, uh, to me. And I say, oh, that's all garbage. I mean, that's great that you've done all the data and you've done the research, but we don't know. We don't know what it's going to take to win the 12-team college football playoff because it's literally never been done. And yeah. I think the transfer portal and I think NIL has proven that as as great as the blue chip ratio and all that has been for years, it you're starting to see, I don't want to say irrelevant, because because clearly Georgia and, and Alabama, I mean, teams that fit into that category are still major contenders, but how do you explain TCU getting in the national championship? And I, and I realized their path was much more, uh, easier than an SEC team, but how do you explain Cincinnati Washington? The Cincinnati. I mean, there's many examples that, that college football has, has changed. And I think that's great for the sport.
1: I agree with you. And the, as far as the blue chip ratio goes, you know, these players get reevaluated and get different star ratings, as members of the transfer portal. And so I think that needs to be factored. And there's no formula for that yet. We haven't figured out a formula for that yet. All right, let's get back to your power rankings because I agree with you with Ole Miss. I disagree with you when a couple, and look, this is what makes this sport great. You can call me an idiot. I can call you an idiot. and We're all friends at the end, right? It's a feature, not a bug. Uh, Alabama three, Texas number four. I have Texas number uh Four. actually I have Texas number two, Ole Miss Three, Alabama four. So clearly you're still buying a little bit about Texas, what Texas is selling, but why are they behind Alabama in your power rankings?
2: Well, I I love the fact that uh you know Sarkeesian does have it rolling, but I still and I, I seem to be on an island on this one, Barrett, but I still <laughs> question what how elite Steve Sarkeesian is as as a head coach. And okay. It's fair to say that that they're they he, You know, I think he's as good as he's ever been. So that that's a fair argument as well. But if you just look at his record against top twenty-five, you look at his record against uh, teams with you know he's been a head coach I think for ten seasons. Yeah. He's got two where he's won more than eight games, I believe. So again, that does that mean anything for twenty twenty-four? Not necessarily, because again, Texas I think his, his latest Texas team was the best team he had. So I have I have some reservations about Sarkeesian losing a ton of uh, skill talent now they have turned around and and replaced them via the transfer portal so I I think it's easy to sit here and say you know they'll insert this guy they'll insert that guy it'll be fine but we know it doesn't necessarily play out that way it's it's you know how will these guys fit into the system and and things of that nature so uh, I I don't know I I think there's going to be some reservations there I know they they lost their big Defensive tackles, both going to be high-profile NFL draft picks potentially. And I just think going into the the week-to-week grind of the SEC, I don't know if Texas is ready for it.
1: It's going to be fascinating because I think Steve has the right mindset and he's got the right blueprint. And I think they can win the line of scrimmage already, which is big. That's why they won that Alabama game in week two. They won the line of scrimmage. They basically were built like an SEC team as still members of the big 12. Now I think what's interesting to me, and and this is a tricky question because it's hypothetical. I think we all assume Alabama is going to kill it in the spring transfer portal right now. They don't have a team that can compete just right this very second. They don't have a team that can compete, but they're going to kill it in the transfer portal. If they do, do you think you could rank them number two or even number one based on the staff that Kalen DeBoer has hired?
2: yeah perhaps and that's why i still have alabama so high Barrett, because i believe in the staff and i listen to people like dave bartu who, who rank these coaches mm-hmm. just just based on the data and he says Kalen aboard is essentially the top on the field coach not not recruiting not staffing but results on the field yeah. arguably the top head coach in the country so if he can live up to that it it you know it's it's different we've had a lot of quote-unquote great coaches coming to the SEC and they get exposed as as not being so great. I, I don't I think, think Brian we're going <laughs> <yeah>, to... <exactly. laughs> I mean, the, it's a long, long list. So, Caleb DeBoer could be next to be exposed by the SEC. I don't think he will, and, and I get it. They've lost an incredible amount of talent, particularly high-profile talent, but this is still a top-ten roster, probably much better than that, probably a top-five, six roster in all of college mm-hmm. football. You combine that with an elite head coach, you combine that with, I think they've upgraded, assuming Ryan Grubb stays on step, I think they've they've upgraded at both offense and defensive coordinators. So yes, I, I, I think the coaching will be significantly better. And it may take some time, Barrett. I, I understand, and, and I, I believe they should be underdogs at home against Georgia. But thankfully in this new 12-team format, losing one game is not going to kill you. And, and it if, if they lose, then who knows, they may beat Georgia. But if they don't, it's not going to eliminate them from anything. I, I expect they'll be in playoff contention, national championship contention all season long.
1: It'll be interesting to see. Okay, number ten, Florida. I mean, Florida fans have to be looking at this, going, "God, why? How can this be?" Because there's not an argument, right? Like they look at that that uh, that that your rankings and they're like, "Okay, yeah, we we should be behind Florida. We should be behind Texas A and M and LSU." the schedule does no favor to Billy Napier and, you know, let's take the schedule into account. I, I always, I don't like necessarily putting a number value on what coach X needs to do to keep a job because seven and five and eight and four, they can look completely different from each other. A seven and five, you know, is completely different. If Billy Napier does it this year, than it would be if, if he did it next year or whatever. But what should, what did Florida fans need to see to be excited about the future. Is there one or two things that you can look at and say, okay, record aside, this these two things, these three things need to happen for fans to really jump back on board the Billet and Napier bandwagon.
2: Well Barrett, the funny thing is I put Florida 10th, and I think this is the one I got the most pushback on. How in the world can they not be lower? I mean, yeah, right? even Florida fans, are, are they're done with, with Napier. Not all of them, but a, a, a large swath of Florida fans already turning the page to whoever the next coach could be. I mean, I, I don't think there was anybody more upset that Jed Fish left Arizona than Florida fans because that's who they have <laughs> circled as their next head coach, but that's a different story. I, I'm not there yet, Barrett, and I, I realize the the schedule is brutal, and and that's what everybody looks at. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Brad Power's work, uh, but he's a a professional handicapper. He's one of the best out there. And I I said, you know, I put the over under at six wins for the Gators this year. And he said, buddy, with this schedule, this is the (laughs) toughest schedule I have seen in in his 15 years being a Las Vegas handicapper. He said a top, an average top 20 team is would go six and six on this schedule, which I think we can agree. Florida is not a top 20 team. Not today. It could be by the end of the season, but uh, hope for for Florida fans. I mean, I heck, I was among the many that uh, kind of mocked the addition of, of Graham Mertz. That that made no sense to me. I he thought, did all right. uh, yeah, I mean, he was not spectacular, but he was not a disaster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was s- steady. He was steady Eddie for them, and I, I realized losing Trevor Etienne. I mean that that's a big blow, particularly where yeah. he went. But uh, I think they're going to be fine at running back. They've got several talented runners. That's Billy Napier's bread and butter. I know there's been some consternation among the Florida fan base to get Billy Napier a play caller, but quite frankly, I thought the offense, you know, was was quite well last year. And and yeah, you 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 end the season five straight losses. That's ugly. It's, it's hard to to ma- to make a case to why that was promising. But again, it is much like this upcoming schedule. It, it was the most brutal part of the schedule. They never gave up. They were in basically every game. I mean, they they could have beat LSU, but they basically handed Jaden Dales the Heisman that night. Uh, Missouri, (laughs) that game went down right down to the wire. Missouri just won 11 games. Had their quarterback not gotten hurt, maybe they beat Florida State. Of course, Florida State's quarterback got hurt too. So I I don't know. I I see some optimism there. Austin Armstrong, year two. I'm I'm a big believer in year two of a scheme. You generally see a, a, a bump. And all they need is, is Florida to just not be awful on defense, which is what they have been, quite frankly, and bringing in Ron Roberts to be kind of a co-DC linebackers coach. He's worked with Napier. He's worked with Austin Armstrong. It seems like that staff continuity will, will be there. And, you know, losing Corey Raymond, again, that's that's another one that on paper looks bad. But Corey Raymond's a, a, a great recruiter, but it, it doesn't seem like he's he's been coaching up his defensive backs that well. And, and Look no further than than where LSU has been the last couple of years in the secondary and where Florida has been in the secondary the last couple of years.
1: Last thing, Mike, what do Auburn fans need to see from Hugh Freeze in year two? Because I, I don't think they should stay with Peyton Thorne. I think they should still hit the portal after spring practice. Uh, what what constitutes a good year? What constitutes a year where there's some excitement on the planes?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Barrett, I, it seemed like the 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 same talking point was made endlessly last off season when it came to Auburn was, you know, this will be a underwhelming team, but you got to watch Hugh Freeze because he always gets yeah. somebody right, and he nearly nearly got Georgia, should have got Alabama. So I mean, maybe there's some fairness to it, but coulda, shoulda, woulda. I mean. That bowl game, and I realize fans don't generally care about bowl game. They care about them, Barrett, when they get embarrassed by exactly. Maryland in a game that, uh, yeah, again, you lose that, that's fine. But if you you basically no show it, that's that's where you got an issue. And I just don't know what to make of Hugh Freeze right now, Barrett, because because what is he? I I call him Gus Malzahn with baggage. I mean, that's that's <laughs> essentially what he is. And that's you know, that's not totally being disrespectful because you know Gus Malzahn's a good coach too. But I I don't know. I don't know what is the selling point there. I mean, they, I, I realize they did really well in high school recruiting, but in today's modern college football, I think that's about worthless, Barrett. Because if they go five and seven, six and six next season, I mean, some of those guys are probably going to hit the portal. And, and so, what, so what was the point of that? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I realize you have to you have to bring in touted high school recruits to to improve your program, but why not? do it with the portal as well it's i i don't know it's, it's like an old school approach for a for a new age of college football i don't know how this is going to work I, what we need to see we need to see, not see these dud performances why are we getting up for georgia and alabama but we can't get up for new mexico state and maryland i mean that to me that's coaching right so we, we've got to get that turned around and the fact that uh you know it basically blew up his coaching staff which maybe some of that was not his something that he wanted to do but something he had to do it it almost feels like a year zero and and at auburn with the fans with the support (laughs) with with the talent they have i mean i i don't think you could really sell that to an auburn fan that 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 we're so bad that we had to have a year zero and i realized harson was awful but again lane kiffin josh heupel coaches like yes they come in and they can they turn the thing around pretty quickly these days heck even shane beamer and, and uh sam Pittman managed to do it but of course those are not necessarily uh, going so well right now so the, maybe not the best examples but we we got to see more consistency i think from auburn i think that's the key
1: as an auburn alum i can guarantee you patience is not something that we uh tend to have a lot of <laughs> on the plains mike appreciate you hopping on that sec podcast you can follow yourself or you can follow mike michael w bratton anything else you want to plug uh before we uh before we hang up the headsets here
2: uh no just uh, you know we're on youtube now that's blowing up that sec podcast on all pla- platforms but truly barrett this was an honor being on smothered and covered this is like i said I'm, I'm not blowing smoke this is one of the select few shows that inspired my show so this this is a real treat for me
1: well i i appreciate the con- kind words mike appreciate it and uh have a great uh tuesday
2: absolutely you too barrett all right last thing
1: before we wrap up the show today National Signing Day, the traditional National Signing Day, is tomorrow, 1st February, or 1st Wednesday, I should say, of February. We had Tom Luganbill on earlier in the show's existence, last Friday, I believe. And he talked about Ryan Williams being one of the bigger stories of traditional National Signing Day. Terry Bussey, Texas A&M commit, an athlete, five-star athlete, basically wherever you go, consensus five-star plus on a three- is going to make an announcement and he's been a long time Texas A&M commitment, but he visited LSU. He's visited Georgia. This is not set in stone. Now, Texas A&M, you have to get him Mike Elko. You have to get him. If you can beat out LSU and Georgia for one of the top players in the country, think about what that would do for the momentum of Texas A&M football. Everybody knew Jimbo was a recruiter. That was his claim to fame. Wasn't a very good coach, but certainly a good recruiter. Maybe the best in the country. Mike Elko, as a head coach, no, he's not. Two years at Duke, he hasn't proven that he is an elite recruiter. Now, when he's an assistant, sure, absolutely. But as a head coach, we really haven't seen him go head-to-head with some of these big-time programs. Now he is. Now he is with a guy who's been committed before he even got there. So you can hang on. That is a massive statement, not just to LSU, not just to Georgia, but the entire college football world. Now, is Texas A&M going to be competitive in the SEC this year? Probably not. Probably not. The, the roster is not where it needs to be. It might be, though, in a couple years. And this is the foundational piece. All these kids talk to each other. We can talk about all these great coaches, these recruiters, and, and how tied in they are to high school program. and all that stuff's great. The best recruiters in the country are the players themselves. The best recruiters in the country are the players when they're at camps, when they're at high school games. They get to know each other. They talk on Snapchat, TikTok, wherever. And if you can get Terry Bussey in-house, he's going to look around and say, yeah, I stuck with Texas A&M because of X, Y, and Z. I could have gone to LSU or Georgia or wherever else in the country, literally anywhere else in the country. But I stuck with Texas A&M, and here's why. It would be massive. Not just in the SEC, but around the country. Now, is it proof that Texas A&M is going to win the SEC and potentially make the college football playoff? No, it's not proof of that. I don't think you can have proof of that. Anybody who tells you otherwise is absolutely insane. But it will show that Mike Elko can be competitive in the SEC off the field. Which, you know, the old saying, it ain't the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Texas A&M could get a big Jimmy and Joe, Jimmy slash Joe, on Wednesday if Terry Bussey reaffirms his commitment to the Texas A&M Aggies. That'll do it for this edition of College Football Smothered and Covered. I appreciate you checking the show out. We will be live on YouTube and Rumble. We are live on YouTube and Rumble, but we will settle on a time here in a little bit. You can also, of course, catch the show Apple, Google. Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow, traditional National Signing Day here on College Football Smothered and Covered. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.